This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Take your Bibles once again, and let's turn to Psalm 23, wherever you are this morning. If you've got a Bible near you, take it and turn to Psalm 23 as we continue our study of this familiar, wonderful, uh, really life-changing chapter of Scripture. If you've read the Bible much, then you certainly know that one of the most common metaphors in all of Scripture is the metaphor of the two paths. The Bible is very clear from beginning to end, there are just two ways to live. And although those ways might look different at different times throughout the stories of Scripture, the reality is every story goes back to a person's choice of which way they're going to live. There are two roads, there are two paths, there are two ways to live. In its most simplest form, you could say that the two ways are the way of rebellion, that the way that Adam and Eve chose to take at the very beginning in which they said, Lord, we don't want you to be our Lord. We want to be our own king and our own boss. So they rebelled against the Lord and that brought brokenness into their life, continued brokenness and ultimately led them to death. It's the way of rebellion. But the other way is the way of submission in which we understand that when we are our own king and our own ruler, we make a mess of life. We increase our brokenness And we wake up to the reality that God's way is a better way. And so we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ and say, okay, Lord, we want you to be the boss. We trust you. And that way always leads to life. And that simple word picture is probably the most important for us to understand if we want to understand the whole story of the Bible. There are just two ways to live. I have four children at Prince Avenue Christian School, and when we began to learn at home, uh, one of the assignments my elementary children got was to read a proverb every day. And so we've been doing it as a family. This has been great for us. I love the proverbs, one of my favorite things to read, but doing this as a family has been so encouraging. And I'm just reminded as I'm reading the proverbs that the entire book of Proverbs is written with this idea in mind that there are really just two paths, the pathway of wisdom and the pathway of folly. And the book of Proverbs shows us that on those paths, we meet all kinds of different characters. There's the diligent and the sluggard and on and on. But the reality is the entire book is written with these two paths in mind. In chapter one, it tells us of the book of Proverbs that the father sits down with his son and helps him to understand the two ways in which he can live. And in very specific and oftentimes dramatic language all throughout the Proverbs, the father says, this is the way of foolishness and this is the way of wisdom. And then the father pleads with the son to choose the way of wisdom. Why? Because over and over he reminds the son that the way of folly always leads to death and the way of wisdom always leads to life. There are two ways to live. It's the same metaphor that Jesus uses at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, when he comes to the end of that sermon and he gives an invitation. And the invitation goes something like this. There is a broad way and it's easy and most people choose to take it. But know this, 
it always ends in death and destruction. And there is another way, there, there is a narrow way. It's difficult, and there are only a few that choose to take it, but it ends in life. And so it is, Jesus once again, following the same metaphor that has been used throughout scripture from beginning to end, reminds us there's just two ways to live. And every person must make a choice whether they choose the way of wisdom, the way of folly, the way of life, the way of death. And that's exactly the word picture that David is using in Psalm 23, verse three. Let's read those verses together. I'm gonna begin reading in Psalm 23, verse one, and we'll go through verse three. David says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now listen to this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now I told you when we first began our series from Psalm 23 that Psalm 23 verse three is the most important verse in the sense that it tells us what the whole chapter is about. Everything in Psalm 23 is teaching us how to follow the Lord in the path of righteousness. It gives us an idea of what the path of righteousness looks like. And then it tells us exactly how we follow the Lord in that path. Psalm 23 is about how we follow Jesus. It's about sanctification. Once we have made a decision to follow Jesus and to trust him, it shows us how that life looks. And David, looking back over his life, having trusted and followed the Lord for years, gives us this incredible word picture using a shepherd and a sheep to show us what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And he comes here to verse three and reminds us once again that there are two ways to live. There is a path of righteousness and there is also another path as well. And as David is teaching us what it looks like to follow Jesus, and you say, well, David didn't know exactly about Jesus. Well, we read this in our understanding of the New Testament when Jesus said in John 10, he is the good shepherd. So we look back at this and know this is pointing us towards what it looks like to follow Jesus. But David, in talking about this, gives us a wonderful picture of what it just means to be a Christian. Can I just remind you that a Christian is someone who chooses to trust and follow Jesus? A Christian is someone who chooses to trust and follow Jesus. And both the trusting and the following are here in Psalm 23. I mean, Psalm 23 begins with a declaration of trust. The Lord is my shepherd. So in saying that, what David is saying is this, I know that I can't lead my own life. I've tried, it leads to brokenness and death, I don't wanna do that. I need someone else to come and to lead my life. So I have, in believing the Lord is the good shepherd, submitted my life to the authority of the Lord because I trust that his way is the better way. And because I trust him, because I believe his word, I'm gonna give my life to him. It begins with trust. And so it begins with every believer in Jesus Christ. Every person, if they wanna be a follower of Jesus, must begin with a moment of trust. Of saying, Lord, I've tried to lead my own life and it doesn't work. My life is broken. 
but I believe you when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so I am trusting you with my life. I'm giving my life over to you and I'm asking you to save me, to save me from my sin, to save me from myself, to save me from my foolishness and to be the Lord of my life. Here I am, save me. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We ask the Lord to save us from our sins and we trust that Jesus and his death on the cross is sufficient payment for our sins. We ask him to give us a new life and we trust that Jesus in his resurrection has the power to give us new life. It all begins with trusting Jesus. But that moment in which we trust Jesus is the beginning of a new life in which we follow Jesus. That moment in which we called upon the name of the Lord is not the end. Well, I I did that. No, 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 that's the beginning. That's when we're born again. And we begin to live a new life of following Jesus Christ. And this is why he's saying here that the Lord is my shepherd. I trust him. I've given my life to him. And now he's leading me in the paths of righteousness. This whole idea of saying a prayer and inviting Jesus into your heart and then just moving on with your life with no regard for the Lord is never given to us in Scripture. That is not a picture of a follower of Jesus Christ. There are all kinds of people who've prayed a prayer at an emotional moment in life, but that moment did not lead them into a new life in which they began to follow Jesus. A Christian is someone who trusts and follows Jesus. And so David says here, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, I love that little phrase, paths of righteousness, because it really, it really is translated and should be translated. He leads me in the right path. There's a right path, there's a wrong path, and the Lord is leading me in the right path. Not just the path that leads to heaven later, but the path of holiness, the path of walking with the Lord right now. And he says, he leads me in the path of righteousness. That little phrase there, he leads me, is an imperfect verb, which means it's continual. David is saying that I'm continually, moment by moment, day by day, being led by the Lord. I didn't just have a moment in which I made a decision. No, I made a decision, I trusted the Lord. And then day by day, moment by moment, I am continually being led by the Lord. He is leading me in the paths of righteousness in an ongoing way. You say, well, what does that that look like for a believer? How does the Lord lead us day by day in the paths of righteousness? Well, God gives us means by which this happens. The three primary means in which God leads us in the paths of righteousness are God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. It doesn't get more complicated than that. That's it. God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. Meaning that if you've chosen to follow Jesus, the way that looks is that you daily, regularly submit yourself to the word of God. Why? Because you wanna follow Jesus. And how are you gonna follow Jesus without knowing the word of Jesus? So we submit ourselves to the word of God every morning coming to it to know him, wanting to follow him, We're not just coming for information, we're coming for transformation. We're coming to see what it is the Lord is saying to us and how he's instructing us for the day ahead. God's word and God's spirit. In our daily Bible reading this week, if you're following with us in the New Testament, we read from John 15, 16, 17, in all of those chapters, Jesus reminding his disciples, I'm not leaving you alone. 
I'm giving you a helper. Jesus says, as a matter of fact, it's better that I go away because if I go and ascend, the Holy Spirit descends and he comes to live inside of you. So it is, you will know me. You will be led into the truth. You will be protected from the evil one. You will experience my life as you walk in the spirit. God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. God uses the wisdom of his people, the stories of his people, like Chris's story and other stories, to remind us of who he is and how he works. So God often places believers around us who are a little further ahead than us so we can learn from the path of righteousness that they walked. This is what's great about all the stories in the Bible because we look at David. David, how did you walk in the path of righteousness? So David, as one of God's people, teaches us. And so God has these means that he has given us and what it means to trust and follow Jesus on a daily basis is to submit ourselves to those means, to be led today in the path of righteousness by hearing God's word, which you're doing right now, by walking in God's spirit, and then by hearing from God's people and being around the people of God. This is the means by which God leads us in the paths of righteousness. Now, one of the ways I, I hear this verse used a lot is in people trying to discern the will of God. We often come to moments in our life in which we need to know the will of God. And many of us want to know the perfect will of God. God, we don't wanna just do something. We wanna do exactly what's right. And often we feel a little anxiety as if it's possible for us to miss God's perfect will. And so we get really stressed over finding the perfect will of God. And we come to a verse like this and say, Lord, you promised you would lead me in the right path. And I'm not moving until you show me the right path. Now, this verse does speak to us about the will of God, but maybe not the way we would think. Maybe actually in a more helpful and more freeing way. A great cross-reference to Psalm 23.3, and by the way, I love doing this. I love finding a verse and then writing in the margin a cross-reference so I can, once I come back to this verse, see another verse. But a great cross-reference for that is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, which it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, I told you, Psalm 23 is all about sanctification, and what David is saying here is that he leads me in the path of righteousness. And what Paul is saying is that the will of God, the direction of God, where God wants you to go, what he wants you to do is this, sanctification. Do you know what the will of God is for your life? I'm just gonna go ahead and clear this up. This is God's will for your life to grow in Christ-likeness, to trust and follow Jesus more and more every day. That is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, we get so anxious about whether I should do this or this or this, and we wonder why God's word is not telling us exactly what to do, so we do some foolish things like casting out a fleece or whatever it may be to try to figure out God's will, when a reality is, God has given you his word, his spirit, and his people. And he said, walk with me, that's my will, that's it, that's my will, and as you do, I will use things like my word, my spirit, and my people, and the wisdom of your sanctified, spirit-filled mind to make good decisions. I mean, sometimes the things we get stressed about, God doesn't even care as much about as we think he might. I mean, you could go to multiple different colleges or take multiple different jobs. You could be walking with Jesus and go to the University of Georgia or the University of Florida. You, 
that's a bad example. That may not be true. But, but there are certain decisions like this that could it be that if you do this or this, God will bless both of those. Why? Because you're walking with the Lord. The will of God is that you follow him day by day in the paths of righteousness. I had a phone call earlier this week with a good friend of mine. He's been a missionary with the Navigators. Many of you know the Navigators, a wonderful ministry for years. And his ministry has kind of evolved over the years and to the place where now he's basically a pastor to pastors. He just counsels pastors and coaches pastors. There's been multiple times in my life in which he's had a great influence. I spent a lot of time with him a few years ago and a couple of times a year, I'll just call him just to catch up. And I did that this week and he asked me how I was doing and I begin to express to him how much joy I'm experiencing as being the pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church. I told him how much I love you and how kind you've been to me and how I just feel like God has put me in the right place at the right moment. I told him how much my family is loving the church, the school, this environment that we're in, that God, we just really feel like is blessing us in this moment and we're really happy. And one of the things I began to talk to him about is how God has freed me from so many things I used to feel as a younger pastor and reminded me of what I'm most passionate about. And what I'm most passionate about is exactly what we're talking about this morning. There, there's nothing that I get more excited about than calling you to simply trust and follow Jesus Christ. Our mission is my greatest passion. You know, I mentioned in my midweek video a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday, that there's all this pressure oftentimes for a pastor to have a new, grand, big vision every year. And that happens at times, but frankly, not very often. The normal process of a pastor is to faithfully, week by week, day by day, through preaching, through conversations, through counseling, one by one, to just keep pleading with people to follow Jesus and the path of righteousness. At the end of my ministry, however long God has me here, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, however long, I just want my legacy to be that he just led us to walk with Jesus in the path of righteousness. And it's verses like this in Psalm 23, 3 that continue to stir up that passion in me. Not only because it tells us what this means, the path of righteousness is following Jesus and how we do it by God's means of his word, his spirit, and his people, but more so because it tells us why we do it. Psalm 23.3 tells us why we should follow Jesus in the path of righteousness. It tells us the motive, the motive. What is the motive for the mission? What motivates me to try to motivate you to follow Jesus today and tomorrow and the next day, to remain faithful, to hold on, to go deeper with the Lord, to spend more time in his word, to seek more to be filled with the spirit, more time with the people of God. What is the motive? And Psalm 23, verse three, gives us the two primary motives for following Jesus in the paths of righteousness. Now, I want you to get this. I would encourage you to write this down. This is it. We're gonna talk about this this week and more next week. The motive is this. You should follow Jesus in the path of righteousness for your good and God's glory. You should follow Jesus in the path of righteousness for your own good and for God's glory. Now, 
Psalm 23, three ends with this. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's a reference to following the Lord for his glory. I'm gonna spend all next week on that because I didn't wanna give it five minutes this week. Lord willing, all next week on what it means for us to live for his name, for his glory, for his renown, for his reputation. But there is another motive before that one. It says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me in the right path, which means this, listen to me. It means there's a right path for you and there's a wrong path for you. And the right path for you is the pathway of following Jesus. That means that the God who created you and who knows you, who loves you deeply more than you can imagine, who longs for you to experience the fullness of life and joy and peace that he created you for, has said this, there's a right path. And he knows that if you walk in that right path, it is for your own good. And one of the reasons I long to see you walk with Jesus more and more, to follow him in the path of righteousness, is because it's for your own good. Following Jesus is the best of all possible lives in this broken world. It's for your good. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the importance of our souls? When we talked about the fact that he restores our soul and before we talked about how uh, the Lord does that, we talked about why that's so necessary. And I, I explained to you that God created his body and soul. Adam did not become a living being until the very breath of God breathed into him and it says, and he became a living soul. We were created that our souls might have the life of God in them, that we might know his life. And when his life is in us, it is then that we experience life as it was meant to be, the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace, the fullness of a perfect relationship with God. But when we sin, we die. Not just physically, which will happen, but something inside of us dies the life of God in our soul dies. But because of Jesus, if you will call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to save you from your sin, because of his resurrection, what happens is that now we are born again. That which was dead comes to life. So the very life of God comes to live in our souls. So now as a believer, as Chris talked about just a minute ago, we start to experience joy and peace and freedom from the slavery of sin. Why? Because the very life of God has come back into your soul at the moment of salvation. Now listen to this. This is the point of Galatians chapter four and Romans chapter six, that as a believer, when you choose to sin, when you choose for a moment to walk away from the path of righteousness and to walk on the path of rebellion and selfishness and sin, as all of us do every day, what we are doing in that moment is actually submitting ourselves back to being slaves of sin instead of slaves of righteousness. We are in that moment choosing death over life. We're choosing folly over wisdom. We're choosing despair over peace. We're choosing anxiety over joy. Do you know that every morning you wake up, even as a believer, and you have a choice. Will I today follow Jesus in the path of righteousness or will I just go about my day ignoring Jesus and do my own thing? 
And if you choose today, tomorrow, to ignore the Lord, his word, his spirit, his people, walk outside of the way of righteousness, then every single moment what you're actually doing is choosing death when Jesus died to save you from that very thing. What I'm saying to you is this. The reason I so desperately want you to walk with Jesus is because in so doing, you are choosing what is best for you. It is the life that God intended for you to live. It is the greatest of all possible lives. And certainly we will not experience the fullness of that until we are glorified in heaven. But every moment we walk with Jesus, we come to understand a little more of his life and his goodness. And so it is for your own good. I plead with you to walk in the path of righteousness. This is why I love Chris's video. It's why I want us to show it this morning. Because Chris very articulately communicates to us that he chose the wrong way and it brought despair. It brought brokenness. It brought heartache. But then in his darkest moments, when God brought him to the very end of himself, which God often does to us, he chose the path of righteousness and Jesus Christ as his savior and Lord. And he ended that video by very clearly saying that it was in that moment that things began to change and he began to experience the life of God in him. So it is that the Lord is saying to us, if you choose the path of righteousness, it is for your own good. If I've been reading through the book of Proverbs with my family, as I mentioned to you a moment ago, there is one chapter, I think, that paints this picture better than any others. The language is a little bit explicit, yet at the same time vague. So those who know what he's talking about will catch it. Those who don't know what he's talking about may not catch it. So I think it's safe for me to read. But let me just, let me just say this. What Solomon is doing is he's given a picture of foolishness and wisdom. The path of righteousness and the path of sin. And he says it this way, listen carefully. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice and I have seen among the simple. I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Here's his story. He's passing along the street near her corner and he's taken the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night of darkness. And behold, a woman meets him. This woman is a picture of the way of foolishness. She's dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She's everywhere. She seizes him and she kisses him. And with a bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices. And today I have paid my vows. So now I come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloe, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Listen. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Listen to this very carefully. All at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter. 
or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces his liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that this will cost him his life. That right there is a picture of temptation every moment of our lives. This is not just about sexual purity and morality. This is a picture of the seductive nature of the enemy and the sin, the lust of the flesh, constantly bombarding us, seducing us, calling us in. But what we do not realize is that every time we follow, we do not realize we are going to our own death. And why in the world, when given the choice, would you choose death over life when Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave so that you might every day choose his life, be free from the slavery of sin and experience the fullness of joy and peace that he has for you in intimacy with him? So I just have one plea this morning. For your own good, for the good of those around you, Choose the path of righteousness in an ongoing manner, day by day, walking with Jesus through his word, his spirit, his people, so that you might come to know his life, be saved from certain death, and others might experience that life through you. My one plea, my one passion, for your own good, for the glory of God, follow Jesus in the paths of righteousness. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.